As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you going, better go in the right direction In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version oh. I'm never gonna give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up you're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Harry, let's hear a little bit more. Of, of, let's have Zach keep on going. I kind of really love that. Love that. Don't, you, don't you like that song, Brian? Yeah, and it's created just for us. So again, this is the, 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 the top Tom Ficklin Show, and that was Zach Carter. Kind of... Um, uh, Zach's on SoundCloud and iTunes and Zach Carter and I was just mentioning Brian. Brian's been teaching it. My guest this morning is Reverend Brian Bellamy, the senior pastor for Friendship Missionary Baptist Church. And you've been teaching at UNH for 10 years? For 10 years. And I'm just, I'm a newbie and I've just mentioned to Brian before we started that Zach Carter, who you just heard from, um, was a student in my uh, public communication and and public speaking and fundamentals of communication course at Gateway, which I really, really loved. And just to have him, I mean, almost all the students wrote something, Brian, that was talented and gifted and, and personal and authentic. But, but when, when Zach kind of, I guess threw it out with, I said, Zach, we need a, we need a, a class song. We need, we need, we need, we need a theme song. Mm-hmm. And he came out with this man. And, but of course he has a history. And uh, uh, again, go to, go to Zach Carter on iTunes and SoundCloud and you'll see, see his expertise. But just, 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 just kind of reminded me that we, we tend to stereotype and categorize people, you know, community college student, blah, blah, right. blah, and guess not, not to really appreciate the gifts that, uh, that all of us possess. Uh, again, this is the Tom Ficklin Show, and it's really such a pleasure to have Brian Bellamy with me, a Reverend Brian Bellamy, um, senior pastor at Friendship Missionary Baptist Church. It's located at 26 Edward Street, and although it's in, in Hamden, it's really on the Hamden-New Haven line kind it, of thing. It is. The parking lot is New Haven almost. See, right. um, <laughs> so, and not to be confused, because there's another Edward Street in, uh, in properly situated in in New Haven, but you, but you are properly situated in, in Hamden. Right. And again, in some ways we're, we're one planet, one world. In fact, you've, you've taught it as I referenced at UNH, UNH for, for 10, 10 years. And I ple- believe the title of your department is global, global, uh, global, global studies. Global studies. Right. So you're, you're a global, global citizen <laughs> as well. And, and, uh, uh, Brian is a graduate of the Yale Divinity School in Morehouse and, um, Hartford Seminary. And then you guess you were, you were in London eating, t- uh, tea and scones or something i mean you took your family over there and so what was going on about that right so um my phd program uh was with hartford seminary uh in conjunction with the university of exeter so the phd came from the university of exeter uh and so this december after completing my program uh we traveled there for commencement i defended september 5th uh for the phd and uh, we traveled to the uk and uh, it was around Christmas time. We went, we went to the winter commencement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so while we were there a few extra days, we uh, enjoyed some of London and um, Southwest England, which is where the University of Exeter is located. So, yeah, we had a great time. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, your, your Facebook page kind of sh- kind of showed that you <laughs> I, I'm not sure if Ashley or your mom's one as well, didn't she? My mom yeah. and my mom's sister. Yeah. And that's that's really such. We're going to talk about a variety of things, Brian. And we have about forty-eight minutes, so I'm going to. Okay. I am going to give you a chance chance to speak. Believe it or not, <laughs> I'm going to give you a chance. But but we might, if time permits, uh, at least talk about it. Um, after what happens, Brian, as you know, people can access the show in a variety of formats, and I'll put a lot of links of things we we uh, 
we might just talk about or not talk, or, or we have not had a chance to talk about in great detail. But for example, black liberation theology, if you don't get a chance to talk about that in any depth, you know, I'll put some James Cone links up there, et cetera. Sure. Uh, your, your years at Morehouse and I guess your interim president has just passed, passed away right. at, at, at Morehouse. And I know you've attended various uh, reunions. Uh, your doctorate, I want you to elaborate on that because you used a word called defending. And I don't think people realize that that, 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 that it's not that you have to wear a, an armor plate suit or go into battle, but it is a mental battle and you can lose the battle. I mean, it, it, you really are defending. It happens. Yeah. It, it, it does happen <laughs> after all the, all those years of preparation, et cetera. Um, your first sermon I like to kind of chat about and then even possibly, uh, Oh, your, your conversion experience, what you remember about when you've decided to, uh, uh, walk the path that, that you've been walking so so excellently. Black church and trauma, and even and as I mentioned, black liberation theology through James Cone, and pro- perhaps even something called church politics. Because mm. <laughs> <Church, laughs> you you you've, you've experienced that as growing up boy, as a boy, and you're experiencing it now as the sure. senior pastor. So so where where would you like to look, kind of plunge in? Uh wherever you'd like to start. Okay. Well, 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 all right. Um, <laughs> what's what's been on my my heart and mind is just knowing someone that's so that has given back to the community for, for so long and, and what's kept you really, really uh, excited, enthused. I mean, today's Monday. What did you preach about yesterday? For example, yesterday, every son, people take for granted, perhaps not knowing that a, a minister every Sunday, you have to say something, right? Now, it might be the same thing <laughs> right. in a variety of ways, but still, you know, there's some credibility and, and kind of belief system and, and, and energy that you expended. So share with us a little bit about either the topic of sure. of yesterday or the past week, and even your church motto in the past has been, sure. I really was impressed with that uh, for, for 20, I think it was for 2016, pursue over, pursue, overtake, succeed. So sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that uh, one thing about being a pastor is that you realize how close together those Sundays are mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, right now. Um, I am in a series that we're going to continue through the summer months uh, at Friendship Church uh, on the power of influence. Mm. Uh, I do not think we realize uh, the power that we give people when we invite them into our circle. Mm. Uh, When you when you invite someone into uh, friendship or relationship, you then give them creative power uh, over kind of like shaping or even redirecting your energy, uh, redirecting your focus so that uh, we end up being, you know, the sum total of the the five people we're closest to. I'm sure you've heard that mm, before. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this summer, um, we're just going to be expounding on various passages that teach us um, first to be careful of who we allow into our sphere of influence and then how to be intentional uh, about who we invite into those spaces, which we should see as privileged spaces. Mm. So yesterday was International Children's Day. Mm. And so the children uh, kind of led the service. You know, they they led the responsive reading and the announcements. And uh, we had our young dancers, uh, liturgical dancers and the children's choir sang. And uh, normally I would invite a younger speaker uh, mm. to come and share. Um, but yesterday I decided to continue the series and I wanted to talk to the children. We also have children's church at, at friendship. Mm. Uh, we started that a couple of years ago because, uh, growing up in the church, I'm aware that you can come to church every Sunday and totally have, you know, uh, much of the teaching pass over your head mm. because children mm. have short mm-hmm. attention spans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that is why in the church, you know, you have these kids who grew up as church babies. And then as soon as mm. they get old enough, you know, they leave. Mm. 
and don't come back or they they choose a different path. And it's because although they've been there, no one has really engaged them on their level. So we have children's church to engage the children on their level. But yesterday we kept them in the sanctuary with us so that um, I could take some time to talk to them about being intentional and mm-hmm, who they mm-hmm, choose mm-hmm. as friends. Because right now they are really setting the the path for, you know, where life is going to take them and their friends and who they choose to be friends with, you know, that that can direct or redirect, uh, uh, you know, uh, what God has in store for them. Uh, I shared a personal story. Mm. Um, you mentioned Morehouse. When I got to college, that was my first time ever being away from home. Mm. And grew for, up here in New Haven. I I, I am a native of New Haven, mm-hmm. Connecticut. I was born in Yale New Haven Hospital. Mm-hmm. I am I am thoroughly New Haven. All right, and, and I love my water. city. Break right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so uh, that was my first time away from home. And like you know, most people in that space or opportunity, they they take the opportunity to you know party or stay out late and do things that they never got a chance to do, you know, living with their parents. Uh, but one of the things that happened to me was um, I had a roommate who would come home or come to the room after class every day at three o'clock and for four or five hours, he would start studying. Hmm. And so as to, you know, be courteous and not be disruptive in the room, I ended up doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, just in who became my roommate, that then made me more studious. And so, you know, the end of that semester, I was on the dean's list and I stayed on the dean's list all four years and finished you, you, magna cum laude. You, you, yeah, that's right. Did, and, did, he, did he graduate as well, magna cum laude? Yes, he did. Okay. Right. And so I don't I don't know if that would have been the case if I had a different roommate. But that's that is an example of the power of influence. Mm-hmm. If you have the right people in your lives, they can direct you toward positive things. But if you have the wrong people, they'll lead you down a wrong path. So that's what we're talking about this summer. And so that's what we we kind of tried to pour into the young people yesterday at Friendship mm-hmm. Church. Give us drill down, drill down a little, little more because uh, ethics and philosophy um, is something that you've been teaching in a variety of ways and in a variety of context, mm-hmm. not only at UNH and, and not only at church in terms of Bible school, uh, Bible study, but even just in your, in your daily walk. Help me in terms of locate the time. Again, you listen to the Tom Ficklin show, but locate why now in 2017, what kind of came across your spirit or soul or instinct about why now the, the if I can ask that question, you might say, I mean, this, what you've talked about is, is that would be consistently important since, since man or woman kind of came on the planet. But was there anything now about the contemporary landscape that kind of influenced this theme, this thematic kind of pursuit that you've undertaken? Um, well, certainly we see a lot going on in the world. I don't know that there's ever not a good time to focus on the power of influence. Okay. But I do think that in the on the political landscape, we've seen um, um, those who 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 hate and who are exclusive. They and their kind of vitriol, mm-hmm. they've become more bold and um it has then empowered others to come out come forward with their hatred um and so certainly we see uh all kinds of toxic influences from um the highest levels of power down uh so we see that in society but i don't think that there's ever not a good time to be careful of who you are allowing to Mm. pour into you and Mm. to to shape your identity Mm. Mm. yeah Uh, absolutely and you're listening to the tom ficklin show for those of you that just just tuned in and we're going to be with you for another 40 or so minutes and again reverend doctor it's i really love saying that the reverend i mean you you were a doctor in some ways even before but now you're doctor doctor squared but reverend dr brian odom uh, bellamy senior pastor at friendship missionary baptist church is here here with us on the tom ficklin show located at 26 edward street 
uh, in Hamden, just like the Hamden New Haven line, kind of in the New Hallville, if you were little section or lower lower Hamden, I guess. What do you guys call it? Southern Hamden? South Hamden. South Hamden. South Hamden. Yeah. South, yeah. South, yeah. South, <laughs> South side. But, but somewhere <laughs> on the planet. And uh, uh, Dr. Bellamy has a uh, Master's of Divinity degree from, from Yale also in, in 20, 2005 uh, as well. And then in, in 2006, uh, 2006, Master of Sacred Theology from uh, in concentration in religious ethics at, at, at YDS, but then just most recently now Doctor of Philosophy and Theology and Ethics at the University of Exeter slash uh, Harvard Seminary. Tell us about your your defending your your thesis because this I, I reference those those kind of years in in academia and again you're still kind of a uh, you're, you're still involved with academia in terms terms of teaching that your 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 thesis your your final paper your what what kind of directed you there, and and what's what's the outcome? Was it just something that's now up on the shelves, or is it something that's still stimulating you in terms of your cognitive development? Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm um, working on refining it for uh, publishing, uh, but my thesis uh, was entitled uh, "An Examination of uh, Community Engagement by the Black Churches in the 21st Century," um, and what first turned me on to this investigation was I believe it was like 2010 or 2011 Eddie Glaude Mm -hmm. out of Princeton published an article um, saying that the black church was dead uh, because our prophetic witness uh, has diminished and that the only credibility we have is in our history that there's not much going on now. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, being raised in the black church and then serving in a black church at that time, I was a youth pastor uh, at Christian Tabernacle. Um, I knew that this was not the case. I knew that the church was alive and, and well and active. Uh, and yet uh, I wanted to, um, uh, in an academic way, kind of do an investigation of his ideas. And so what I did was um, I chose uh, local models. I had to go through almost all of black church history uh, and community engagement, mm. which happens in several waves. So we see the black church first among the re- hidden institutions of the slaves. Mm-hmm. And so that's Albert, Albert Rabato's uh, mm-hmm. research and, um, and John blessing game. Mm-hmm. And then we see the institutionalized church in the antebellum North with the uh, founding of the AME church mm-hmm. and, and then certain other churches. Uh, so for example, in local models, we have uh, the Dixwell church. 200th anniversary. There's celebrating that, shortly. That's right. Uh, so we have those independent congregations that split uh, from white congregations. So we have that period. But then right after slavery, we have a solid denomination building period because then the black Methodist groups can go into the South and organize. Mm. And then you have black Baptist churches that are uh, forming conventions in the South. Mm -hmm. Um, And then past that, we have like, you know, the civil rights movement where there's uh, engagement of these uh, social and political structure. Um, and then even into this in the 70s, although there's a conservative re, uh, retrenchment in society, uh, churches are doing like CDCs and still engaging their communities mm-hmm. for improvement. Mm-hmm. And so what I found in kind of doing that that uh, uh, work is that uh, in the 21st century, the most predominant ways that churches are engaging their communities uh, would include still through CDCs, although that's kind of ebbing. We also still see um 
uh, those uh, activist style groups, mm-hmm. grassroots groups, and then we also have mega churches. Mm-hmm. Now that excludes a lot of particular groups, but what we find is that even in the ways, like let's say a friendship church engages the congregation, mm-hmm. uh, it would be subsumed in some of the larger programs of these groups. And so we, uh, I did some research into uh, uh, each of these groups. I had to pick a particular group, mm-hmm. and so I picked all local groups. And mm-hmm. so okay. uh, we chose. I chose to research mega churches. Uh, First Cathedral. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Archbishop Bailey, mm-hmm. who was so kind as to let me come and interview him and his staff several times and to uh, uh, share information. And they're Baptists from a Genesis standpoint, right? They, 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 they have Baptist uh, roots, and they still participate in the Connecticut State Missionary okay. Baptist Convention right. and American Baptist Churches mm-hmm. in Connecticut. Then for the CDC model, um, I interviewed Bishop Brooks, Beulah mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Heights Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for uh, grassroots, I interviewed Donald Morrison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. um, each of them created, uh, formed a chapter of my research. Yes. Uh, with Christian Commun- Donald with the Christian Community Commission, and I forget the name of his, he does. Christian Commission. Community Commission. Commission. Right, right. And so um, uh, uh, in choosing local models, I was able to, over like a year and a half, two years, continue to go back and to continue to get research. And um, I did grounded theory, and that means I use their own words to form theories and then I corroborated those theories with them because I think one of the one of the issues with researching black folks is very often we are object and not subject mm, mm, and so mm, I wanted them mm, to be able mm, to form their mm. own ideas and what we found is that each of these groups in their own ways although no group is without criticism mm-hmm. each group in their own ways they are still engaging their communities mm. um and so um, that was pretty much the gist of tremendous. Of my you listen to the Tom Ficklin show, and and Harry Draws is there, our station manager, doing a tremendous job. Harry, good to see you. I've been off for a few weeks with a variety of things, and we're chatting with Reverend Doctor Brian Odom Bellamy, senior pastor at Friendship Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, Brian, on on the topic that you just mentioned, but what, where does that leave you? And I appreciate your sharing. Were you were you writing just for for Eddie to refute Eddie or to expand mm-hmm. Eddie? But who the audience? You know, I'm. He might be like a footnote in the introduction. Mm-hmm. So certainly, his his essay sparked the idea, but the the general audience is the church itself. Okay. Um, and you know, the academy that is focused on the church to kind of see uh what we have done as far as community engagement mm-hmm. and where we are now, and then there are certain precautions. Um, mm. uh, that we kind of signal, or that I kind of signal at the end. Um, uh. And and that is, for example, uh, one major issue that we see, and Cone kind of talks about this in mm-hmm. tra- and, um, Black Liberation Theology, is that our churches are leaning more toward a transcendent focus. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the cross, the cross goes up and down, but then it reaches out. And so we are focusing on the part of the cross that goes up and down. So we are really good with having a quote unquote personal relationship with God. But then where and what ways are we reaching out? Um, and so, uh, uh, an example of this would be all of the groups focus on acts of charity, mm-hmm. uh, where they kind of put, we put band-aids on people's particular issues, but no one is really addressing, uh, very few groups are addressing systemic issues. And so we do not mm-hmm. have very many established black churches, for example, that are participating in moral Monday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so Reverend Barber has, has, has talked about his leaving the NWA, well, not no longer being president of the North Carolina NAACP and, and re- reviving the, the moral, the moral majority movement, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Reverend Barber has spoken here at the Divinity School. So you're, mm-hmm. you, you look forward to supporting him locally. I know uh, Bishop, 
Mr. Reverend Sellers up, up in, yes. in the Harford areas, where it's, Selders rather, I guess, yes. is very much involved. So you look forward to being that New Haven disciple as well for the moral movement? That I'm absolutely open to it. And I think that, you know, these kinds of moment, movements can only be strengthened um, uh, with church participation. Mm-hmm. But we've always kind of had this dynamic in, in the black church where we have a segment that is politically active and a segment that is more subdued. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a part of the progressive national Baptist convention. Mm-hmm. That convention split from national Baptist convention USA over this very same issue. Martin Luther King, who mm-hmm. uh, was trying to get, you know, NBC USA to participate in the civil rights movement, um, became frustrated because, you know, they, they refused. And then the president at that time, Joseph Jackson intentionally kind of pulled away from King and his group and their issues. And so there were, there were a lot of meetings and discussions and arguments. And in 1961, um, a, a, a smaller, but significant portion of black Baptists started a different convention because they they said, you know, we have this call uh, now you're good, you're by good. Christ to focus you're, on social justice. And so we've always had this dynamic in the church. I, I did mention church politics, but I know, I know that you <laughs> did, did not know that you were going to go there on the, the macro and the, in the micro level, we'd be, right. you'd be here forever. But right. I really appreciate your sharing with that because people will ask often just whether you're involved, whether you're interested in history or not, why, why SCLC, the Southern Christian Leadership mm-hmm. Conference had to be established. And so uh, people should just reference the fact that, that MLK was junior was a part of other organizations, a uh, religious bent. And for whatever reasons, as you've just articulated, had to kind of start, start the, the SCLC. I, I want to jump for, and cause you're referencing the, the, the cross and the, the horizontal and the, and the vertical uh, you have, I want to give a shout out if you're comfortable in talking about it on air, you have uh, burned your mortgage, you, you own you. And so that, and that happened under your, your watch. And I've always, uh, as you know, I went to, to the divinity school, but I was kind of an outlier, but maybe an outlier in liar. I mean, you got to have people in the congregation that kind of can keep you guys held accountable, right? To what, right. what you say. And I, I so right. I see myself to be a citizen advocate for the, for the parishioners. All right. Uh, but, but, but my point is from a really secular real estate standpoint, if we think of our, our, our churches in terms of the buildings nationwide, that the brick and mortar, uh, those excuse the expression, but those, uh, um, anchor stores if you think of them as the, the those buildings have there's a real estate if you think of the real estate value of, of all of our churches if you just add it up from an economic standpoint the real estate value the market value of all of our churches whether we own the churches or burn the mortgage or not that's a significant sum right of, of money and, and a lot of black economists separate from black theologians have not really dealt with that issue that we do own we have some some liquidity kicking in right so some some potential liquidity uh, and so how do the anchor stores kind of merge or or sell their services together or do you know buying power et cetera that's really important but basically you do have to still to own it you have to not have to have that mortgage burden right and you were able how how quick why were you able so quickly and i say this is a public shout out you don't have to give the details i know johnny die gave 10, 10 million dollars perhaps to, <laughs> to, to, to help tell bird or whether it's 10 cent or whatever the case may be his wife but at any rate to burn to burn your mortgage to own the property there are churches here longer that have t- had to take out second, third mortgages, et cetera, et cetera. So tell us about just that, that fact in terms of your, your your business management. That's what I've never had a chance to say to you really publicly, and I wanted to, wanted to say that to you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I am. Um, so I've been at uh, Friendship Church since 2008. I started uh, as the interim minister and then became the pastor in 2009. And one of the first things that um, we did was um, we uh, we wanted to – uh, make sure that the church was secure. And so we um, initiated um, uh, a budget and a savings plan so that we could pay mm. the church off early. Mm. 
And so uh, we were able to do that over um, maybe a little more than a year. We began to save aggressively. Mm -hmm. One thing that I found out about people in general is that when you when you set a goal and um, they agree with the goal, people will work together. And so we worked together and we were able to pay the church off a few years early and save uh, probably thousands of dollars on Mm -hmm. a mortgage Mm -hmm. that then uh, freed up more money so that we can invest more in the community so that the community could could feel uh, that we were there, know Mm -hmm. that we were there. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, when when churches take on a huge financial burden that then takes away from their ability to. Uh, be a tangible witness mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. to the communities that they serve because you know if you have so much overhead you know that you're covering yes and your property then you know that's fewer people that you can uh, feed or assist uh, uh, so it takes away from your tangible witness and so we want it to be empowered uh, to be able to uh, make more of a difference and so um, yeah that was our goal so in 2012 uh during the church anniversary, mm-hmm. we burned mm-hmm. the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and again, kudos to you. you. Uh, kudos to you. And that, that, that's, so, that's so important. So important. And you referenced the different, the National Baptist Progressive Convention, et cetera, et cetera, and, and others. Uh, uh, Lindsay was in town to, uh, yes. to chat with you. So the head of the Connecticut State Missionary Baptist yes. Convention. So, so still you guys will still talk to one another? I mean, and, Oh, no, yeah, we, uh, we, are, we are a part of that convention as well. I, I didn't hear you mention that. So I just thought, <laughs> thought I would just kind of indirectly... Just kind of get that on the table there, Brian. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> I get right. that. So you had, you had Dr. Curtis from Grace Baptist in, in Norwalk was up for your for your, your fifth? 53rd. We 53rd. just had our 53rd church anniversary, mm-hmm. and he came and preached uh, a, a good message, and his choir came. It was a great time of celebration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk to us, if we can, about, because this has been something that's been on my mind for a while, and I haven't done it as proactively, but you give me a chance to, to begin doing it. And when I say proactively in terms of a film, a book, uh, a regular series, your conversion experience when, and it might be one episode. It could be a few episodes. I've asked a lot of folks anecdotally, Will Meb and I've chatted with about this and, and Jeremy who just graduated from the, the schools up at Harvard uh, this year. I talked talk to him about it. And your, your mother has kind of shared with me that as early as two or three, she noticed <laughs> some actual literal behavior. Uh, you're doing something after a, a, something that took place on just on a Sunday mm-hmm. and you're, you're, imitating at that point or just even feeling the spirit, but share with us either one or two episodes when you knew that this was this path, this calling was important to you. Cause I think people need to know that it, whether they're, they, they believe it for, they believe it or not in themselves here. There are people that have uh, publicly testified to, to what, to, to, to their life existence. And, and that's, that's very impressive. At the, at the very least you can, as an outsider, respect that whether you think the person is, is charading or not. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I grew up, my childhood church was uh, Union Temple Free Will Baptist Church uh, in uh, the Dwight neighborhood. Mm-hmm. My pastor growing up was uh, Reverend Dr. Herman Epps, and he was an awesome, awesome man of God. And so um, my uh, mother only belonged to that church the 40 years mm-hmm. that she was in New New Haven. She's uh, relocated to North Carolina. And um, she was very active in the church uh, and she taught Sunday school for most of those 40 years. And so every Sunday, um, every Sunday we were in church. Um, also, uh, we attended events through the week. 
Uh, and you know, I find before social media, people used to like going to church beyond Sunday morning. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. there were a lot of events that mm-hmm. we would attend. And so, um, we had an excellent Sunday school mm. and I can remember being taught about God, uh, mm. earlier, mm. uh, mother Lucille Brantley was my Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I've always, you know, heard these Bible stories about God. And so, and from that perspective, I've kind of always, uh, believed but my no, um, not, not so quick now when you say always believe there has what do you I'm, I'm searching i'm doing not being a psychiatrist or a psychologist sure. but i'm looking for whether it was a dream whether it's a sermon whether it was an episode was it a series of things that your, your first recollection of when this glimmer of sure of, of personality kind of redirection occurred mm-hmm. so so i i've always believed but it, in our tradition you know you you don't you don't baptize babies you have to be old enough Mm-hmm. to understand um original sin mm-hmm. and that you know that that you need Christ mm-hmm. for forgiveness. And so for me that was about the age of 7 I think in between my 7th and 8th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um um I I had been asking my mom uh could I, you know, go up to profess that I'm saved and become mm-hmm. a member of the church? And she would say, well, no, not yet. No, not yet. And so finally one Sunday I was sitting with my cousins mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was 7 and uh, my pastor opened the doors of the church and I went up because I wanted to, at that point, be official. Mm-hmm. And um, that happened. And then I had my eighth birthday. And then a couple of weeks later, after my eighth birthday, we had a baptism service mm. and I was baptized. And so um, obviously over over the years, you know, I've um, had some moments where I had to, you know, uh kind of struggle with my faith and have some um, considerations, but uh, there's never been a time when I said, okay, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, uh, from, <clears throat> I've been, you know, consistent and, and, and being a believer. Okay. Nice try, but I have I'm not going to give up. Let me, okay. let me, let me try again. When did you decide that you wanted to enter the ministry? Okay. Now that, that might be a more uh, titillating story for you. Okay? All right. <laughs> well, I mean, carrying our way to, you know, you, you've skirted long enough. We want All the right. real deal here. Okay. People know me for a variety of things, but they definitely know that I can drill down and I don't get the answer that I want. I want to, yes. I want to get the more sensational, the, the real right. deal here. Right. Okay. So um, I tried to ask that before, but you know, thanks for giving me a chance to reframe it. Sure. Sure. <laughs> when I was, so when I was in, in high school i would wake up uh in the middle of the night and um i would read the bible and i would look at a scripture and i would start writing notes about it mm. this happened to me in high school mm-hmm. and uh this happened for several nights and so finally one night as i'm writing out notes from the scripture it hit me oh my god i am writing out a sermon outline mm. um and so that is when I knew that, like, you know, a call was manifesting mm-hmm. that I was writing out these sermon notes, but I didn't say anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. And I said, let me just get away to college and maybe this will go away. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so um, I attended Morehouse College, which is known uh, uh, for black excellence in general, but uh, we, they put out um, strong black preachers Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And so <laughs> during freshman orientation, uh, the dean of the chapel, Dean Lawrence Carter, he mm. asked about there are about 800 of us mm-hmm. uh, there for freshman orientation. And he asked, you know, um, if any of you sense a call to the ministry, will you stand? And so 
I stood up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that was kind of my first declaration. Mm-hmm. And that was his invitation to invite us to be part of the chapel assistant. So I went to a few uh, meetings of that. But that was my first public declaration. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, and my roommate was there. He was like, oh, OK, cool. And so uh, then I said, well, I need to call my mom. So I called my mom and um, I called my aunt, who's also a preacher. They were like, yeah, we, we kind of know. <laughs> we were waiting mm-hmm. for you to figure out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then when I came home for Christmas break, I told my pastor. He's mm-hmm. since passed away, passed mm-hmm. away uh, yes. Yes. Uh, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I shared it with him. And he was like, I'm not surprised of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, that was that story. So, again, there's no thunder clapping, but there there are more, you know, I guess, decisive moments when I realized okay. what was going on. Yeah. Harry, we're going to, we're going to keep on going on this theme. He did he did did, did fairly well. The <laughs> dreams and the reason I, I appreciate your uh, sharing with, and we're taking a little bit more time on this than perhaps and there are a lot of things we could talk about, Brian. But I think it's really important to for people to know uh, uh, just just my kind of subjectivity in terms of Lindsay and and, and you mentioned uh, Cathedral and then you mentioned B- B- Bishop Brooks and 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 MLK et cetera. That we all hear many of us you interpret visions and dreams inspiration spirit even a song will move you and how you translate that in terms of the the secular world is always a fascinating thing the dreams that you had uh did i hear you use use the word dreams no i would wake up so so you'd wake up and so that your first and so you just wonder where that thought came from no i would wake up and i would start reading the bible Okay, and so, then, so and, you're you're, you're pra- so you practice an activity and right. an objective act activity. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. And then, um, as I'm I'm reading a particular passage, ideas would come to me, so I would start writing them down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I realized that these were sermon notes. So right. wh- why could not why why did you not choose that to be a book or just publishing or a journalistic endeavor? If you mm-hmm. I'm, look, I'm looking for the spirit for the where the commitment because to commit yourself. We may get a call as we speak. You may get a call on your phone right now and, and you have to go to a church or you have to go to a hospital or you have to, or someone. So the life of a, of a, of a public servant slash minister is not people, anything can happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for when that. Right. So you can be a preacher without being a pastor. Okay. So like, you know, getting the calls and, okay. and the counseling and et cetera, that's pastoral work. All right. Uh, and so I, I was a preacher for a good, um, seven years or so before mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, I became a pastor. Um, uh, I, bec- I, I sort of redirected toward pastoral ministry because um, I sensed a call to serve and to help people yes. and for church work. Church work is in, in the marrow of my bones. So even if I was not a preacher, okay. I would be, be working be, in a church. An active servant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My, my, my mom uh, was a church worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father on the end was, he passed away uh, mm-hmm. uh, this year, the day after Christmas, but all of his family on his mom's side in particular, they were church mm-hmm. workers. So it's my mom and then her mother, my, grand- <laughs> my grandmother, my granddad used to say, uh, 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 there's no one else at church. Desilio stay and talk to the janitor, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, and then her father, he was a deacon chair. Mm-hmm. And so I, I come from a long line of people who really, really love the church and are invested in it. So even if I was not a preacher, so you had no other choice. I then. would I would be active in church work. Right? <laughs> sounds, sounds like you had no other choice. I, I, I'm gonna pray for you. you know what I mean? I'm gonna, pray, I'm gonna pray for your liberation. Oh well, pl- well, pray for me. I need prayer. So yeah. <laughs> pray for your liberation. <laughs> and you gotta again the Tom Ficklin show. I'm half joking and half serious. And you know, there's always that combination. Hopefully, in the show uh, here with, with Reverend Doctor Brian Bellamy of uh, Friendship Missionary Baptist Church on 60, 60, 26 Edward Street in on the Hamden Line and near the Newhallville section. It's really, really a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, any questions for me? 
Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, talk Mr. to my lawyer Harry first. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ficklin. Yes. I know that you call me Tom. Tom, I know yeah. that you are a a community archivist. Yes. How did you get involved in that kind of work? This the shoe is certainly on the other foot here. I tell you, <laughs> and and my and my answer is somewhat similar to yours, but I don't have as many of the explanations as terms of the the external uh, influences. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. So I tell people that when I was uh, like between four and four, maybe Sunday school through, you know, five five or six through 14, that I was busier then in my life. People see me to be busy now for the last 20, two or three or four decades. Mm -hmm. But my recollection is that I've always been busy. Mm -hmm. I've always, that you know, little league and all the athletic teams and Sunday school and, and the uh, crossing guards and just student government. So I've always just it's just been part of my mix mm-hmm. so it was never i'd never perceived it to be a, to be a calling it's, sometimes it's it's been habitual and even sometimes addictive mm. so now at this stage in my life i really have to pace myself about just going into that that automatic pilot mm-hmm. so i'm sure if 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 i had videotapes of myself growing up you would i could see my mother and my grandmother i could there would probably be episodes where you could see their influence over <laughs> over me uh when i when i was small or inculcated that kind of uh discipline into my life mm. but my but so my recollection is just has been a habitual addictive i certainly recall being so busy between four years old and and uh, 18 years old more than even any time in my life i do remember my sunday school teacher being having having really profound effect mm. I, mr mrs holly i still can see uh-huh. her and, and her name i love to lift her name up as the the importance of sunday school from an adolescent development standpoint mm-hmm. you know I've, and i've always liked books and i remember going to the library and I was maybe eight to kind of get a book on how to uh, score tennis. Mm. Just, just, you know, and then just a fascination and excitement of getting your library card and going through the stacks. So it's, it's been something. So yeah, yeah. So people see me, they, people do, uh, whether it's, a, you know, a, a historian kind of standpoint or whether it's a Vander Zee kind of standpoint, or even, even as there's a guy named Brian named Augustus Washington mm-hmm. out of, have you ever heard of him? He's out of Hartford. There's, okay. And uh, he took, he was a photographer, mm. derigotypes before it was photography. Okay. So the pictures are like John Brown that you might have seen in like 1856, 1856. There's black photographers even around then. So I've been able, and, and uh, uh, Frederick Douglass talks about the, the, the impact of a photography that just started there for us to see ourselves. So there are books, Frederick talked about this, just mm. the having pictures now <laughs> that we could see ourselves versus the white person seeing us. Mm. So I've, I've just, uh, the, but the, the visual arts, media mm-hmm. word development video photography uh, has communications that's always been something that i've had an interest in even at the divinity school i remember taking courses on the media and, and the church and media and religion and economic development mm-hmm. so fair question and i know that's not a specific no no that's interesting yeah thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so again let's talk so let's move to well we're not going to cover everything but some of the topics i had hoped again you're listening to the tom ficklin show and reverend uh Dr. Brian Bellamy is with me. Some of the topics were black liberation theology. We talked about a little bit the church and trauma and the church's responsibility to the current uh, situation in DC, I think is also something that's, that's on my mind. Um, people seeking help when they need it. Pastoral counseling is also important. Um, church politics, we alluded to a little bit, uh, but any of those topics kind of re- resonate with you as we kind of wind down. Sure. We can talk about uh, trauma in the church. Okay. <clears throat> um, First of all, uh, I think in our community, trauma is layered because, uh, first of all, you kind of have um, 
almost like, you know, the idea that you're born with original sin. We're kind of born into trauma, into kind of racial trauma, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, at some point, you know, we, we just like we have the age of reasoning, we get to this age where we realize people are going to treat me different because of the color of my skin. So we have, you know, uh, mm. original trauma. Mm. Um, and then uh, we have, you know, uh, economic trauma, mm. right, mm. from uh, being poor, being working class, for uh, wanting to have certain things for yourselves and for your children, for wanting to uh, have those things, uh, obtain those things in a, leg- a legitimate manner, but then not having any opportunities. And so you have that. But then you have, um, you know, these isolated incidences of things that happen to people uh, in their growing up and in their day to day lives. And so what you then find is uh, typically uh, in a church and really in any church, but mm-hmm. especially in a, in a black church, you have people who are walking around dealing with multiple layers of trauma, mm-hmm. then add to that, uh, there has kind of been uh, this idea in our community where, you know, we don't go to therapy, right? We don't, mm-hmm. we don't do that. Um, add to that, you know, the, the economic component where many of us could not afford to mm-hmm. go to therapy mm-hmm. if we wanted mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people have really turned to the church and um, particular to the minister um, and and how they medicate these things. I was going to say deal with them, but we really don't. Mm-hmm. We don't really deal with them like they should where, you know, we discuss what happened mm-hmm. and expose it and then uh, take therapeutic measures. Um, and so, um, you know, people then will, will come and and uh, talk to uh, the pastor um, uh, to try to, you know, yes. Or at least organize their issues and how mm-hmm. to deal with what uh, uh, first. And um, so, I mean, it, well, it, what resources can you draw upon if someone kind of comes to you to use, suggest this therapist or this agency or whatever? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because I, I do not have uh, a, a, any kind of like therapeutic license. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I do Bible counseling, but mm-hmm. once I see that the, the issue is therapeutic, I have, you know, given consults uh, for for people to see someone else. Tremendous. And the reality of, of the matter is that sometimes people are open to that and sometimes they are not. Yep, good point. Um, good point. And so people, uh, I, I think many people, you know, just walk around and deal with the trauma mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, or, or live with it mm-hmm. without really dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit as we, as we kind of wind down, Brian, because you're how old again? 37. The 37. So, you know, uh, in terms of Robert Frost, let's hope that you have a few more miles to go before Thank you. before you uh, move on to your next mile mm-hmm. mile up in the sky and and, the, and and that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's relatively young for your experiences. What, what, what's, what's cooking for you in, in your mind moving forward? Not that we want you to, right. to move to, to leave, leave New Haven. Uh, <laughs> No, but 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 the spirit does move in a variety of ways. So mm-hmm. I'm just just curious, what's what's cooking for you as you because you, you're teaching, mm-hmm. uh, you recently married. Uh, I presume you guys may be considering some children. I'm not sure if you're practicing in that regard. I'm not, <laughs> not going to get into all that over the all that over the air. Right. Okay, <laughs> but, but, I don't think my wife would like. I don't that, think right? I think Doctor <laughs> Ashley would would. So just just curious, yes, at 37 and and so accomplished with the divinity school and now your doctorate and. And the, the church not having financial obligations. So I'm just, just curious what's kind of spinning through your, your head as you kind of wake up. What, what kind of dreams you're now having as you wake up or what are you, what are you thinking about? Right. So um, 
uh, I am excited for whatever um, God has next. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about what's going on uh, at the church now mm-hmm. uh, at Friendship Church, www.friendshipnbc.net. Absolutely. Come, 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 on, come on down and see you at, at 10. Um, your services are at 10? 1045. The church is growing in, in a whole lot of ways. And mm-hmm. we, um, I'm doing some research now for a few additional projects. Mm-hmm. Um uh, they they are a wonderful group of people to work with uh, because I came there when I came there, you know, almost 10 years ago, all of the officers were old enough to either be my parent or grandparent. Mm, mm. Um, yet they've been really open to new ideas. And so mm-hmm. we've been able to get a lot done. So we're excited about some of the projects that we can't kind of take the cover off yet. Mm-hmm. But we have some mm-hmm. things uh, that are brewing there. Um, uh, my wife and I, we certainly. uh W- uh, would like to expand our family so mm-hmm. that's something mm-hmm. uh she is in residency mm-hmm. um at bridgeport hospital uh an OBGYN residency so she has two more years uh and then she has to kind of like cut a career path mm-hmm. um so um we we will see what happens there yes um i'm i'm still teaching uh at unh um uh and i'm excited about that um uh, but I'm I'm open to other uh, teaching sure, opportunities sure, sure. as well. Tell yeah. us tell us a little little bit about the topics again that you're teaching because I want people to get a flavor as sure. they listen to the show of the the the, the, the you mentioned multi layered in terms of trauma, but just the multi layered the the Brian the Brian multi layered. So <laughs> in the last two minutes. All right. No, so, so at the University of New Haven for the last ten years, uh, uh, I've taught the ethics sections most often. Mm-hmm. Um, as you may know, uh, the University of New Haven is is uh, well known for its criminal justice department mm-hmm. and from for forensic science, and so ethics then has become a requirement for graduation. Ah. So I have seen most of the students, you know, mm-hmm. that that pass through. But I um, also um, teach intro. I'm going to do intro in the spring. Um, I teach the honors course for ethics. Uh, uh, this spring, I taught a course on uh, black moral thought, mm. um, where we have considered how. Uh, Black thinkers over the last two centuries have tried to understand what it means to be black and to live out the American dream. Mm, mm, um, mm. And so that course mm. uh, was a lot of fun. Well, we're going to we're going to on, on that note, in terms of the, the, the black thinking and moral thought and and kind of living and surviving and thriving. We're going to have you back in the fall. I know you're, you're busy in the fall, but I want to want to have you back because I want to do some, some more academic shows and sure. maybe talk about a few books and really appreciate Harry. Thanks for everything. This is the Tom Ficklin show. And we're going to go out. Kind of conclude with, with Zach Zach Carter, and again, it's it's been really a pleasure to talk to Reverend Doctor Brian Bellamy, uh, senior senior me. pastor at Friendship Missionary Baptist Church on Edward Street in in uh, in Hamden. And services are at what time? Ten forty five. Come on down. Ten forty five on Sunday. Bible study too, and your website is great to check out. Brian, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Now you gon' face the dawn, you waiting for I said from night to dawn, I write my wrongs alarming Competition with warnings, ice galore Now I'm running toward that my life to finish being a quitter But little, little by little, they joking, telling some riddles Now I'm in my section, ain't willing to give up Know you getting knocked down, but you gotta get up I'm never gonna give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, hey Cause this is my road, let's camera action, I'm ready to go Never gonna give up, give up, fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, hey.